This morning, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to the book of John chapter 21. And as you turn in your Bibles to the book of John 21, I really have to give a shout out to our elders. Uh, as we have looked at the uh, daily reading over these last uh, 13, 14 days, one of the things that we have seen is God has ministered in a very collective way uh, to us. And it was uh, the uh, daily devotionals were written by our elders. And wasn't it powerful, church? You know, as we read, as we went through that, uh, how God really ministered to us day by day. The uh, time of fasted prayer uh, and, uh, was very powerful. And our time of prayer during the weekdays and then also on Saturday mornings were very, very powerful. And what I have seen is that God connects something. He's weaving something together. And uh, so God is uh, saying that uh, get your expectation out, get your anticipation out, uh, and I'm so excited about that. And just uh, would you just put your hands together and thank God for our elders? Amen. You know it is because of them. My hair is starting to grow back again, and uh, it's growing back on the sides and the back. So I still have to shave it. But I'm believing God that there are seeds that are going to be in the top and it's just going to close up and no longer George Jefferson in my life. <laughs> are you in the book of John chapter 21? John 20, chapter 21, and the amazing thing about it is that in life, uh, we don't always know the details of our future. And because we don't know the details of our future many times, that um, our challenge in life becomes uh, very real, real, real because we are in a time of uncertainty, uh, because we don't know the, 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 uh, the future, that we many times will evaluate or judge our future based on the moment that we are in. And that's where Peter was in the, in the disciples in the book of John chapter 21, that Jesus had been crucified, Jesus had risen from the dead, and Jesus had appeared to them to demonstrate that he was alive. But after he appeared to them, he left them. And remember that the Bible tells us he appeared to them in the, in the house or in the room where they were. But after Jesus appeared to them, he left and do you know what, what, what happened when Jesus left, when they could not get a vision of their future? When life seemed uncertain to them, John talks about that in chapter 21, verses 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. The Bible says, afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter Thomas, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? 
And you can see the attitude that they have coming out. No, they answered. And he said to them, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did that, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and bread. After they landed, they saw coals. They saw a barbecue. They saw Jesus on the shore, barbecuing, grilling some fish and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. And it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now, this was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And what this particular story teaches us is that it teaches us that things don't always happen the way that we expect them to. And Peter and the disciples, they're kind of in a waiting room. They're kind of in um, a place where they, Jesus had told them to go and I want you to wait and, and, and don't leave. But, but they got impatient waiting. And, and, and so one of the things that, that I want to share with you this morning is that you know what, your, your, the vision, the purpose of God, the calling of God has to possess you before you possess it. It has to be so real to you before you can grab hold of it. Uh, I'll give you a perfect example. I believe it's in Philippians chapter 3 where Paul says, and we know this part, where Paul says that I forget those things that are behind and I press toward the mark of the prize of the higher calling. But before that, Paul says that I have not attained, that I am apprehending that which has apprehended me. And so in other words, what happened is that Paul is saying that uh, on the road to Damascus, that there was something that got a hold of me. And for the rest of my life, I have been trying to get a hold of what has gotten a hold of me. And so he's saying that uh, whatever apprehended me, it, it got a hold of me first before I could get hold of it. Uh, 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 so, so, so one of the things that we see here is that sometimes it seems like kind of God plays like tag with us. Uh, well, what do you mean? Like Jesus comes right where we are and he touches us right where we are. And then he moves because he wants us to follow him. He wants us to follow him. And so as we see here in this particular story, 
that there's in a place, and in this place that God has instructed them, they've heard his voice, Jesus has, has told him what he wants them to do, but now they're tired and impatient and frustrated because they don't know what it leads to. And so they go back out doing what they were familiar doing rather than what God had taught, called them to do. You know what? If we look at that, it's kind of very much like our own lives. When, when, I, when I grew up, there was a, there was a game we used to play in, in Louisiana. And, and I don't know if they played that in Texas or in your neck of the woods. But, but it was a game called Hokey Pokey. And, 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 and it goes like this, is that where you put your left foot in, you take your left foot out, you put your right foot in, and you... Oh, they did play that in your neck of the woods. And it's almost like we put, we get in, but we, the pressures come, situations come, circumstances come, and we don't know what it leads to, so we take our right foot out. We're in on Sundays, but Monday through Saturdays, when the tests come, that we shake it all about and we take it all the way out. And so we play that game with God, the hokey pokey, the hokey pokey. And that's where Peter is. Peter right now, he's frustrated. He says, that I'm, I'm just going to go back fishing. And as he says that he's going back fishing, Peter is saying, you know what, forget this. I'm tired of waiting. I'm frustrated. I, I, I don't know what this thing is going to lead to. And he's already shown himself to us twice. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. And as a result of that, so he decides that he's going to go back to what he is familiar with. He's going to go back to what he is familiar with. Why? It's because he's lost sight of where he's going. And when he loses sight of where he's going, then he says that, look, I'm just going to go back to what I know. Look, uh, what is it all about, talking about going beyond? What is going beyond really all about? And what it's all about, it's about not going backwards but being willing to go forward to the doors that God has opened. See, they, they had no idea what would happen in the future. Jesus has been crucified. He has shown himself to them. It's the third time that he's shown himself to them at this particular time, or the second, uh, third time when they went after they had gone fishing, and they still did not know. And so notice this, that when Peter goes back fishing, we can look back on that story, and one of the things we recognize is that godly, God rarely, we've got to remember, and I want you to, uh, I'm going to share it with you, and I want you to repeat it after me. God rarely does things the way we expect him to. I want you to get that in your heart. Would you repeat that after me? God rarely does things the way I expect him to. And so because of that, we have our own uh, thought process as to what happens or should happen. Then we, we get impatient. And we begin to uh, want to go ahead of God. Uh, or we want to go back and just become what we, uh, to what we are familiar with. Do you know what's interesting? Is that I read somewhere is that when people uh, break up in a relationship and, and they've been in a many times they start thinking back over past relationships to think about, you know, well, it wasn't so bad. Uh, wonder why we didn't make it. And there's a thought, even though it's for a moment, of going back when God is calling you forward. So look at this. There's a pattern. I want you to get this. There's a pattern in Scripture of what God does. And the Bible tells us that it's in the book of, 
uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. There's a, there's a pattern. It's in Deuteronomy 8. But before we get there, I want you to you, you see what this pattern is. There's a pattern that God gives us. And remember in, uh, when, where he took them out of Egypt, his children, the nation. He took them out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. He took them out of Egypt, but he took them through the wilderness so that they could get into the promised land. The Bible says God did not take them the shortest route, but he took them out of Egypt through the wilderness and into the promised land. We see that also throughout the Bible because the Bible tells us that uh, in Luke chapter 4, it tells us that when Jesus came up out of the water, he was led by the Spirit, not by Satan, but he's, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. But the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, around verse 14, it says, but he came out. He said, the Bible says he returned in the power of the Spirit. So notice what happened. He came out of the water. He went through the wilderness. But then now he got into the power, into his anointing. And so... To get, many times we, we want that power. We love Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And, the, and, the, and, the, and when the Spirit comes up, you shall receive power. But the Bible says after that. What's the after that? It's after you come out and after you go through that you move into the power. And so there is a voice that we will receive. But then we have to pass the test so that we can get into the promise. We can get into the anointing. We can get into the generational blessings that God has promised. Even our mother, our father, our grandmother, our grandfather. I believe that many of us will walk into what they did not receive. But God shows us a pattern. Now, the Bible says in 1 Peter, it says Jesus is an example of that, of the son. He's an example. So Jesus is an example of what God did for him is what he will do for us. So he brought them out, through, and into. You know where the power, where Jesus got his power at? He got his power while he was in the wilderness. He returned in the power. He had done no miracles. But when he came out of the wilderness, returning in the power of the Spirit, oh my God, he spoke, and a man was healed. And so what we recognize then is that through it all, through whatever you experience in your life, through whatever the challenges that you face, to, through, through whatever the test, uh, through whatever happens and attacks that may come your way, God will bring you out and he will bring you through and that's where the power is released. And so then now, if we know that the power is through it all, then how do we handle ourselves in the tough seasons, in the wilderness, will determine the power that we operate in when we get through it. Now, what I love about this is, is you've got to grab hold of this because God has already said that he'll do miracles that we do not pray for this year. You didn't pray for them, but God did a miracle. Yesterday in our prayer time, Elder Achi uh, began to share about Solomon and how Solomon asked for wisdom, but God gave him wealth. And man, immediately what was quickened in my heart, my God, God just showed us on the last day of fasted prayer that he gave 
a miracle, he did a miracle for Solomon that he did not even pray for. But the purpose of what he was praying for was to glorify God. And God says that you have asked for a good thing. You want to glorify me, so I'm going to glorify you. There's a pattern. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what is, was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands. Notice this. What's the purpose of the wilderness? What's the purpose of tough seasons? What's the purpose of the challenges that come your way? So God will know what's in your heart. So you will know what's in your heart. The Bible says that he he didn't take them the short way, but he led them through the wilderness so that he would be able to know what's in their heart and that they would keep his commandments. My God. And so here, here, uh, Moses is talking and he's ministering through, as we look in the, even in the book of Exodus and through the, those that came into the promised land, he's ministering and sharing with the children of a generation that did not trust him. But then the blessing that God promised to their mothers and their fathers, they were able to possess it. So, so look at this. In the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 31, God led them through the wilderness so that he could, he could, he could see what was in their heart. Now, notice this. Peter, Jesus says to Peter, he says, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He says, but I pray that God has many times more confidence in us than what we might have in ourselves. He says that, but I pray that you, your faith will not fail. And when you come out, strengthen your brothers. Now, I grew up, my mama used to bake, and my mama used to cook, uh, bake some, some wonderful uh, cakes, all types of cakes, German chocolate cake, 7-Up cake, and my favorite cake is pound cake, and we got some people in here that can do some pound cakes, and they do them consistently every time, never mess up. I don't know how they do it, it must be the hand of God. But, but what would happen is that when my mom did these pound cakes, I would, I'd go into the kitchen, and, 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 and when i go into the kitchen, um, before she actually put the ingredients together, she would have this old-time sifter, and they would put the flour in the sifter, and then shake it or turn it. But they would shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it, shake it. They would put their left foot in, and... Right? And shake, they would shake it. And the only thing that was left in the sifter that you could see were the lumps, the things that you could not use in the, in the ingredients for that cake. And that's what Jesus is telling Peter. Look, Satan wants to sift you where all the good stuff fall to the bottom and the only thing you see is the stuff that can't be used. But he said that I pray that your faith does not what? Fail. And when you come out, strengthen your brother. He says that, look, I want you to know that what you are experiencing, it's not just for you. But if your faith does not fail, then when you come out of that thing, that my God, you strengthen your brother. Look, what you're going through is not just for you, but it's for generations to come. It's for your children. It's for your grandchildren. And when you come out, 
The blessing will fall on them. And I tell you that it's a time when you go into their room and you say, I declare that you're blessed of the Lord. You begin to declare and decree some things. Because see, what you go through is really not because of you or for you. But, but God wants to do something. See, it's, it, God wants to do something with everybody that's connected to you. Jesus. So look at this. Luke, in the book of John 21, notice this. Peter has, and the, and the boys have gone fishing. They went back fishing. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus says, hey, yo boys, have you caught anything? And their response in a very attitudinal way, no. And Jesus says to them, drop your nets on the right side of the boat for a great catch. How many of you know that the Bible says that they've been fishing all night long and have not caught anything? And that the difference between your breakdown and your breakthrough is just a couple of inches. Here they're on one side and get nothing, but then now when Jesus says go to the other side and drop your nets, that they catch so much that they cannot haul it in. And, and what Jesus is, is, is showing them, he's showing them out of what John 15 says. John 15 says it like this. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear how much fruit? How much fruit? How much fruit? You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So he says that I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So notice what's happened. They have just disconnected from God. And they have gone to do what they're familiar doing simply because they're frustrated, tired of waiting, and then they cannot see the future. So there is this uncertainty there. But they've heard the voice of God. They're doing what the voice of but they go back fishing again. And Jesus is giving them a lesson. And Jesus is saying, look, boys, you know, if you stay with me, you're going to bear much fruit. But without me, you can do absolutely nothing. Look, church, I'm telling you this year. That if you, just, if you stay in strong relationship with God, that there is much fruit that you will bear. As a matter of fact, God has said these words. He says that I am realigning some things to accelerate your growth, to accelerate your blessing. And, and so we, we recognize that uh, you can't get disconnected because apart from him, you can do what? Apart from him, you can do what? But with him, you can bear how much fruit? And so notice this. He says, cast your net on the right side. I want you to notice this. He did not tell them to move the boat. He told them that there needed to be an adjustment in what they were doing. He's like, you're in the right boat. You don't have to move the boat. And I'm not trying to move the boat, but I'm trying to move you. And he says that, make an adjustment. And when they made an adjustment, they caught so much fish. See, see, what God is doing is that God is working a great testimony in your life. And God is saying, do not evaluate the situation as to what it looks like on the surface, but judge it based on what God has said. Do not evaluate. When you're in that waiting room, when you're in the challenges of life, 
Do not evaluate your life this year based on the moment that you're in, but evaluate it based on what God has said. What do you mean? Look, God's called Ezekiel to tell his story. And God says, Ezekiel, come tell your story. And Ezekiel says that I was in a valley of dry bones. And the Lord said to me, Ezekiel, can these bones live? But, but see, Ezekiel had been around the block a few times. Because the Bible says that earlier in the book of Ezekiel, around uh, chapter 2, that God spoke to him. And when God spoke to him, he all of a sudden stood up on his feet. And he said that the spirit, when God spoke to me and I heard his voice, the spirit came on the inside of me. And God began to tell me what he wanted me to do and how he wanted me to do it. And so I've been around the block a couple of times. So when he asked me, uh, Ezekiel, in this dry, dry, valley of dry bones, can these bones live? I, you know, I said, oh, God, only you know. And God says these words, speak to them. Speak to where I desire rather than what they look like at the moment. And the Bible says when he began to speak to them, that they began to live again. Look, I want to challenge you today that when you go home and all over your house, there was a, a day where, where uh, I believe it's uh, uh, Elder Ida wrote about speaking the language. That when you go into your house, you need to speak what God has said. And that you need to speak over your children. You need to speak over anybody that's sick in your house. And you declare, I declare you're healed in your body. You need to speak and say, I declare you are intelligent. I declare that you will pass. I declare that you will do more. You need to speak many times even to your bank account. And I declare that you shall have be more than enough. You need to speak not what you're seeing at the moment, but what God has said. And you speak that thing. Oh, my God. And when you do, it comes together just as he has said. But if you focus on where you are, you focus on what you're experiencing, you focus on the moment during the course of this year, the challenges, what will happen is that you'll revert back. To, they, they went back to doing what they were doing before they ever met Jesus. But you'll go back rather than go beyond. See, Ezekiel knew that, you know what, when you come to a point in your life and you're in the wilderness of life, you're in the, you have challenges, that I, I, he learned earlier on that there comes a time when you don't need a praise team, that you just start worshiping yourself. Why? It's because you know that God's going to bring you out, he's going to bring you through, and he's going to bring you into the power. And because of what you know, you began to worship, you began to pray. See, that's what a higher dimension of praise, a higher dimension of worship really is. Now, Jesus told him, he says, I want you to throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And they, they caught a lot. There's a breakthrough. And they get a catch that's so big that they can barely bring it in. But you know what I want you to see here, church? In this particular story, that there were people that had three responses to Jesus. Three responses. There was a group that saw, that, that saw him, but they did not recognize him. There was another group that, uh, I believe it's uh, John said that, told Peter, it is the Lord. He saw Jesus, he recognized Jesus, but he did not move. So there's a group that have walked with him for three and a half years, but still couldn't recognize him. There's a group that walked with him 
knew what he was capable of doing. They recognized him, but they didn't move. Oh, it's like this. It's like, oh my gosh, wasn't church good today? What a great word. Oh, did you sense the anointing there today? They recognize a move of God when God is moving, but they don't move. Then the third group. There was a group there that, like Peter, when Peter knew that it was the Lord, Peter took off his clothes. <laughs> and he jumped into the water. He began to swim toward Jesus. See, that's what it's about, church. See, you come to a place where you've rested in him that you know his voice. You know that you lack some things, but he has everything. And that when you respond and you know what God is saying, you know when God is moving, you can, you can recognize his voice. That God is looking for some people like a Peter who will go beyond just recognizing who he is and not move. But he wants you to, man, take off your clothes. I'll take off your, your outer clothes. Take off your coat. He wants you to be able to be jump into the water. He wants you to do whatever it, you need to do and get into the flow yes, yes. and begin to say, I'm going to do whatever I can to get into this move of God. Yes, yes. But notice this, though. The Bible says when they got to the shore, there were coals with fish on it and bread. Look at this. When they got to the shore, what they were trying to do all night long, when they got to the shore, they saw and recognized that Jesus had already provided it. They were fishing all night long, caught nothing. Jesus gives them one instruction, they catch more than enough. But when they get, got to the shore, they recognize, my God, what they were trying to get on their own, Jesus had already provided it. And isn't it just like Jesus? When they get to the shore, he says, bring me some of the fish that you have caught. And Peter goes back and he brings the fish. But there's fish and there's bread. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus is taking them back to say, I am the bread of life. He's taking them back to miracle that he had done previously. And you remember when he fed the 5,000. And see, in church... You don't have church all day long without food. Where I grew up, in New Zion, in Elm Grove, if you had a second service, you needed to have some chicken dinners with some potato salad and some bread and some macaroni. And isn't it amazing that, that we didn't have a kitchen, but people would leave it in their cars for hours and hours. And isn't it amazing that it never went sour it never made you sick. My God. But Jesus was reminding them of what he had already done. And so here they're having a church service. It's, 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 they're in the hills. And, and, and Jesus is just going on and on and on. And, and, and they're looking around and they're going, well, you know what? Um, we can't have church all day without having food. So Jesus... Can you wrap it up? Is what they're saying. Because the people are going to get hungry and there's no food around. So we need to let them out so they can go and eat. And Jesus says, you feed them. So here they go around and they're looking for some food. And they find 
They're going around, you know, you got some food? And here's this boy with some fish and a little bread, whatever his mom says, you know, if you're going to go to church, you need to take a snack with you. So this boy has fish and his bread. And the word gets around that there's no food at church all day long. Can you imagine what the people would say? Ain't no food. Notice this. Jesus takes the fish. He takes the bread. The Bible says he blesses it and gives it back to them. We have been told that Jesus multiplied, multiplied the fish and the bread. But according to Scripture, Jesus did not multiply the fish and the bread. Jesus blessed it. He gave it back to them. And he says, serve the people. As they responded to what he has said, they broke bread off. They broke bread off and gave it. They gave a piece of fish. They broke bread off and gave it. They gave a piece of fish. And out of their obedience, what God had given them, that it began to multiply because of them obeying what God had said. It did not make sense, but out of their obedience, then they began to uh, move uh, uh, over into what God was providing for them, what was an abundance. But they, if they had looked at what God, Jesus, had given them, they would have never determined to obey. But they heard his voice, and when they heard his voice, and they began to respond to what he had said, then whatever it was that they needed, he had already provided it. You know what, in your life, you've been trying to get God to do some things. You've been moving around. You've been doing some things on your own. But I want you to consider the things that you have been doing, and in all your efforts, it has not produced. But God is saying that if you'll just get into this river, if you'll get into the flow, if you'll get into the move this year, that you'll find that whatever you've been trying to do and working for, and you get to the shore, I've already provided it. So God will bring you out, he will bring you through, and he would bring you into. And the power and the multiplication comes when we receive and when we respond. I want to share something with you. At the end of our time of fasted prayer, there's a declaration that's in your, on your app, it is also in, uh, on our website. There's a declaration. And there are several declarations that went along with our time of fasted prayer. And the first declaration is out of Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. And it's, I, de- I, I want you to repeat this after me. I declare, I declare and, decree and decree that this will be, this will be a breakout year because God has heard my voice and my cry for mercy. Look at Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. And because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 31, is our second declaration. And it says it like this, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Would you make this declaration with me? I decree a time of renewing my strength and soaring in your presence, God. 
Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. says it very powerfully in the Message Bible. Let's read it together now. Unrelenting disappointments leave you heartsick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. Come on, declare with me. I decree that the times of disappointment, my times of disappointment, have come to an end. This is a year of sudden breakthroughs. Sudden breakthroughs. Sudden breakthroughs. You know what? All of a sudden, God's going to align things, and then what, what have been containing you, there's going to be a breakthrough. And you can work, and you can work, and you can work all night long. And you can be on the brink of a breakdown, but if you hear the voice of God, stay connected to him, that breakthrough comes. In the book of John 15, verse 7, it says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Let's make a declaration over that today. I decree that I will step into a place this year to have greater authority to see answers to the things I ask for in prayer. 